Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, today is the day that you have long been waited for, 500 years in fact, frozen in space. And now you're here because you watched Whoosh! Star Crash. Me, Mike Vanderpool, Michael Klink, and Dr. Alan Barris, aka Dr. L-U-V, in the house, or in the houses, since we're, we're in different spaces, uh, in our humble abodes, or me, my work office. Um, going to talk to you today about a TV show, a two-part TV show, Buck Rogers to Kill a City, part one and part two. Dr. Barris, this was your pick, and I am here today to make fun of you for it. <laughs> this All violates right. every unwritten rule of what this podcast is supposed to be. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> it's still about it's still about time travel. It, it, it kind of is, and we can talk about that. But why don't you go over the onward rules, then, sir? Uh, because then they'd be written. Okay, Doctor Alan right. Barris, you picked this uh, TV show, and as soon as I get done setting up why we're even here and what we do, uh, then you will tell us about said TV show. But nice we are here because one night. I got drunk and started watching Star Crash. Let my friend Michael Klink know what I was doing. He watched it for me. Dr. Alan Barris had seen it multiple times and we are here today because we watched Star Crash. This podcast, we talk about movies because we watched Star Crash, what Amazon recommended to us. And then also kind of just wandering, traveling, seeing the earth, traveling through space and time. And we are here now to talk about quotes, WTF moments, and just all of the general things that are the shitty part of late 1970s television. With oh, that, yes. Dr. Barris, put it on the tee, and let's swing. All right, so just to date myself, I loved Buck Rogers. I uh, loved watching it. It was fun. Um, it's still fun, but amazingly stupid. I it concur. is very much designed for the tastes of a child. Except for the ladies who are there for dad and maybe some very special mommies as well. <laughs> and uh, they are all wearing the best TV outfits of the late 70s and then for the next season, early 80s. Um, I actually found a website that ran through all of the lovely ladies that guest starred on Buck Rogers and um, I think I know where the budget went. <laughs> it went into spandex uh, and a team of tailors to exactly fit it to Aaron Gray's proportions. And God bless them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the final results are amazing. So full disclosure, I was about 20 feet from Aaron Gray at Dragon Con in 2005. And Plus, uh, stopping the whole restraining order that he had, probably. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it only breaks the restraining order if they catch you, Click. Anyway, so I could not approach her. I, I, She had nobody in line at the time. I was just, I cannot do this. I will drool on myself. This is not good. So um, I had to... I had to walk away, but Aaron Gray, I've always loved your work, and well, you're still hot. 
so Vanderpool, you uh, mock me for my selection, but I will tell you that this TV show is chock full of stars. Oh, 100%. It is. Yeah. Or almost stars. Stuffed in to absolute capacity. So we oh. have Marky Post, who is the subject of our memorial today, because yes. Marky Post passed away this mm. last year. And because we are, we are we busy are, we people. Are double penetrating this episode, if I can use the parlance of. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> unlike the CB show, this is not going to be a family friendly episode is what I'm getting. Apparently no, I, I, I don't think that, I don't think the TV show was ultimately family friendly, but anyway, like, everything could explicit. be uh, um, for good reason. Yes. Sent some very weird messages. Like it's OK to have uh, robots sexually harass people. I didn't. Uh, but then again, even, she did seem to enjoy it. So anyway, we'll we'll get there. I barely recognize Marky Post, in all honesty, because uh, I remember yeah. from Night Court specifically. Yeah, yeah and that's definitely. and that's later on. Uh, uh, I don't remember when Night Court came on, but it was definitely later in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she definitely had the late eighties look. Um, I and Marky Post has always been a remarkably pretty person. But her style in the late 80s was definitely like like corporate. Uh, I mean, she was a lawyer on the show, so it makes sense. Um, and her hair is different at this point, too. I mean, she always had a very distinctive hairstyle on, uh, on uh, Night Court. And here, uh, it's different, obviously. But beyond Marquee Post, we have our beloved... Robert Tessier. Yes. Yes. uh, Everything, it seems, that we have covered on this show. And he does nothing here. He just gets his ass kicked. So when I wanted to be an actor... With a stupid plot device. But anyway. My dream role when I was an actor was to be in a coma on a soap opera. Because, like, Mm. watch. Look at this. See that? (gasps) He's coming back. He's coming coming back. But so like, for those Robert of you listening, though, he's oh, yeah. switching his finger my, my as, as if he were coming back to life from yes. a coma. Or and Robert Tessier. And, 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 seeking a, and seeking some tea to drink as a result. Clink uh, here, here, caption this for our audience. And this is Robert Tessier uh, in this show. Fall asleep in his chair. <laughs> I mean, he no, acts threatening before they knock him out. Yeah, nerve pinched, but he spends the majority of his on-screen time Falling asleep in a chair. I'm so jealous. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. And then beyond that, we have Frank Gorshin. Oh, yes. So Frank Gorshin was the original Riddler on, uh, (laughs) as featured in uh, what the, uh, is now referred to as Batman 66, but the, the Adam West uh, Batman TV show. And, uh, He's uh, put on a little weight here, and he's uh, dressed kind of like a matronly uh, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, uh, very most Star- of this Star time. Wars-y. Yep, uh, very Nazi too. Yes, and yeah. he is the leader of the gang of professionally evil assassins, the League of Death. The is League their fun of name. Death. The Deadly League of Death. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that is super deadly. Uh, let's see. We also have a three-time Star Trek actor in uh, James Sloyan, mm-hmm. who plays yeah. uh, Bernie Smith, and I could not recognize him from it. I, I so haven't watched enough. To... I, I have three different Trek series, as I believe. Yes, yes, I recognized him, and then I looked at his IMDb, and he has been in one episode of everything. Mm-hmm. Right. 
like yes. just about every like Marky yeah. Post. I've got a list of the stuff she appeared in. I right, mean, we it, know you it was Alan. every <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it was everything in the late seventies and early eighties. I mean, it was Love Boat. It was Fantasy Island. It was all of the uh, the standards. You missed one major major one. What Battle of the Network Stars? No, well, I'm saying the people that were in it. Mel Blanc. Oh yes, well, Mel Blanc is of course the uh, voice of Tweaky. Yeah, and the (laughs) actor who plays Tweaky at this point, I don't know if it is the uh, the little person who has appeared in multiple of our movies, but uh, at one point she does play Tweaky. And she has been in multiple episodes of our show, and I totally forgot to look her up before we got here. Wasn't she also in the Santa Claus too? As one of the, um, or was that? No, no, she was in um, Ernest. Ernest, that's what it was. Yeah, Ernest yeah, yeah. Christmas. Yep, 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 yep. And she <laughs> from was our holiday in, special. And she yes. was uh, Chewbacca's son as well in uh, the uh, the Star Wars holiday special. Yes. Yes. And I think she was in something else too, now that I think about it. But anyway. Uh, she was in a robot suit. Well, my first yes. WTF for this movie. We're an advanced civilization and we have robots and we're able to create digital sentient beings. Yet we can't put the two of those together to give stupid doctor whatever legs. He's got to be carried around by a dumbass robot. I have never understood why Dr. Theophilus was just a disc. (laughs) And I don't know, I don't remember if he's actually on the show in the second season or not. Uh, They do like this weird uh, format change for the second season, apparently. And I, I don't remember anything of the second season. Um, I just remember like flashes of watching the first season. All I remember is when the the aliens who are with telekinetic powers decide that they're going to pop Aaron Gray's buttons. I found that very interesting. <laughs> Wait, when was the? This wasn't in the episode. Not in this episode. It wasn't in. This. Oh, okay. No. So okay. I, I so I I watched the show when I was a kid, never sequentially, never knowing anything. I did start with episode one of this. And then fell asleep on episode three. And then um, there's another. Who's the princess in this? Meow. Uh, it's Princess Ardala's the character. The, and Draconian, I Draconian the... Empire, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And I can't remember. Um, I can't remember who the actor was who played her. But uh, she was sort of the big bad of the first season. And, so... then, uh, and then she kind of disappeared in the second season. Are we going to rename this episode in particular "Horny Old Men"? Is that what's happening right now? Because Vanderpool, you're just really kind of going for it. There. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm just being honest. It is kind of horny old men I mean, viewing to go back and watch this. Yeah. So, like, as a 13 year old kid, yeah. right? 13 year old, 12 year old, whatever you get your real puberty, whatever. Whenever you really start noticing the opposite sex, yeah. Um, you were introduced to Leia in, in Empire. Come on. I mean, like there are just these things that were designed to titillate heterosexual males in science fiction. Well, George Lucas said in For New Hope when Leia was there, there's no underwear in, in this universe. So that's why she didn't wear any underwear. 
except Luke had a, 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 a tank top on underneath his, but he's like, don't tell, <laughs> don't tell Kara Fisher that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm probably going to have to cut this, but there's two reasons that heterosexual males make movies. Blow shit I'm, up and get chicks naked. Uh, we've, we've already covered that with, uh, uh, with uh, Jim Warner. Warnarski, yes. Warnarski yes. epitomizes all of that. But uh, definitely. So so Alan, um, what what's going on in this episode? What's the plot? Because again, oh, I'm, I'm only it's an episode not and a half gr- through. It's not a great plot. So what's happened is uh uh so Gil Gerard, uh the actor who plays Buck Rogers, uh kind of lumbers his way through the universe, uh and uh he uh, uh, he is originally, of course, from modern t- from roughly modern times. I, I well, a little bit in the future, if I remember. Nineteen eighty-seven. Right. Yeah, nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he uh, ends up uh, getting the old Steve Rogers treatment, and which incidentally should better be described <laughs> yeah. as the Buck Rogers treatment because it happened to Buck first in the comics and in the serials, I believe. Um, but uh, Buck Rogers gets uh, thrown off track. He gets cryogenically frozen for 500 years. And he comes back in 2491. And uh, he discovers that the world is not doing great. Uh, at least in the pilot. And then the yeah. world is doing a lot better later on, apparently. Because I, 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 I was reading around on IMDb on this one. And I remember the show's backstory being more post-apocalyptic. But what I was remembering was the pilot, which mm. was a two-parter and it was a kind of a big thing. Um, and then the tone changes and it becomes uh, and it becomes a little goofier ultimately. It becomes more space opera y. Yeah. I think that uh, as way- I recall, I think this I think kind of the same thing happened with Battlestar Galactica too, the original series. I think just, and this is me just guessing based on what I saw, um, is that uh, the big, huge intergalactic fight between two planets, universes, galaxies, whatever it would be, there's a lot of CGI and a lot of space and a lot of money, I think, in that, where we can just take the uh, set from the Regal Beagle, uh, paint it purple, um, and have uh, Gil Gerard, Buck Rogers, uh, hang out in a sexy futuristic disco and and pick up the chicks and steal somebody's identity and there were multiple future future discos at this yeah yes. all these people yes. in the future do is party yeah i mean here's to here's to scarcity or post scarcity <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not it's not post scarcity that's not oh i don't think so i think they use money still in this. yeah I think, yeah they still had they still had yeah. money very nice so what happens and, in what how do we get to now and, and by right, now I so, mean 1850, the 18 minute and 50 uh, second mark in the second episode, which is where I'm going to pick up watching once we get to there in the conversation that I can. All right. So we got there by uh, by Buck and uh, his uh, his sidekick, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, should be his superior officer. But uh, Wilma ends up being sort of his. Uh, his love interest and uh, and sidekick most of the time. So uh, so Buck and Will Colonel William uh, Wilma Deering are uh, in uh, civilian outfits and they're trying to track down a particular criminal. 
uh, they uh, managed to uh, knock him out yeah. by, uh, Argos. by dropping Argos. a chandelier on him, yes. And uh, they decide that Buck is going to take his place for the upcoming so, meeting of the League of Interstellar Mercenaries, otherwise known as the Legion of Death. Yeah. So, so can we can we talk about that um, shooting there? So uh, Buck shoots first, which I appreciate, and it is a laser gun battle. Yeah, and they're destroying everything twenty feet away from each other. Oh yeah, and no one can shoot. Can't hit each other until yeah, it's not just stormtroopers that can't shoot him. Until world. Buck Rogers <laughs> spies a target farther away than his adversary and, and with his laser gun splits a rope that big to drop a chandelier on somebody. That's when I knew I was in for the worst ride of my life. It's very much uh what is that? Police Academy. What is that? The Nuzzy Nielsen naked gun movie. It's like the 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 TV show. It's very much like that, where they would be two feet from each other, bang, bang, and then the other person, bang, bang, and then finally they get done and then they throw their guns because yeah. they have any more bullets. Yeah, yeah. That's making fun of TV like this yeah. and was also making fun of like 1930s well, serials too where the gun throwing was always a feel. This would have been uh, better if they wouldn't have shown any close-ups of the guns. That's all. Yes, yeah. yes, definitely. So, the, so there's a lot of design decisions yeah. that could have made this look better, so... Yes, like uh, making it a radio play instead of a TV show. The, <laughs> the premise of the show is not bad either. Like, I'm surprised they haven't remade this yet. And a, well, a I, I bet the thing. rights, there's got to be something done with the rights. There might probably. be something yeah. with the rights yeah. for the serial. Um, with, uh, with Battlestar Galactica, when they rebooted that, I think it was the original creators who were involved in that and i don't know if the original creators of buck rogers in the 25th century are really that invested yeah well i thought I just, it was the i just uh, don't think they care very much about yeah. that well, <laughs> but i i thought it was the showrunner for battlestar the new one was um he was a writer on star trek one of the main writers uh and then kind of branched off i, I think that the was original the creators were involved in some way i okay. don't remember exactly it's been a while so back to buck rogers in the 25th century yes. yep yes uh which, so which they Clint, go... that's 2600 by the way it, it or is it 2400 it's 2491 is the yeah. year that he is there apparently i have the same problem with pacific and eastern time too yeah sometimes i think it's three hours later there no that, that explains a lot exactly we were late for showing for this podcast right now so uh, so Alan, after, <laughs> by after that much, after Buck steals Argos's identity, like what what's going on? What happens? All right, so he ends up going to Aldebaran Two, where he meets up, where he meets up with the Legion of Death by convincing him that he is the leather-clad Raphael Argus, who is a space thief and space murderer and space scoundrel in general so he ends up running into a chunky telekinetic uh grand moff tarkin in a partial dress uh robert tessier who does very little and gets knocked out very quickly oh. by these stupid blackout bombs that buck is given oh, yeah. and only appear in this episode I, thanks I q yeah, I and I don't mean the elaborate conspiracy Wait. theory. I mean uh, the James Bond weapon design. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
hold on. There is, there is um, Robert Tessier, right? Uh, when he and Buck Rogers are going to chase down uh, uh, Colonel Deering because she's been spying and, and found. This is later on. I know we're jumping around. And for those of you that are listening, I'm going to ask you to go find the YouTube video right now because I'm going to demonstrate Robert Tessier's chops, physical acting chops. <laughs> right? They, he runs out of the room and then from where Deering is hiding and then something happens and she makes a sound or something, he comes back with Buck and he does the he most. stands like he's going to do karate. Amazing karate stance. And I'm like, Tessier's going to kick some ass. But he doesn't. Nope. Okay, go on with the I scene. learned. I learned something in that scene too, though. Oh, well, well, we're not there yet. No, oh, well, okay, no, go ahead. no. I learned something in the show, but I mean that scene. I learned that stun. The stun setting works on your nervous system. Didn't know that. And he has a uh, dead nervous system for exactly. convenience reasons. So, except uh, Deering is able to net pinch that nervous system to knock him out. Don't worry about that. Yeah, don't yeah, don't, that. don't don't think too hard. Uh, should that. I also not worry about the label on the side of the stun gun <laughs> with the sliding meter? On how that's much that's full laser. <laughs> don't, 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 don't worry about that. <laughs> anyway, so uh, in addition to the aforementioned rogues gallery, we also run into Fringe Girl, who is a uh, yes. who is an empath. Yeah. Oh, worst empath ever, by the way. Yeah, she's a, a very plot conveniency empath she's yeah. definitely not she's definitely missing some really important stuff that she that should the, have been catching is that the the i'm sorry is that the girl bad guy yes. uh yeah she she looks like she Selena? uh got her yeah she looks like she got her leather outfit designed by bob mackie um, yeah when i first Therese. saw her i wrote holy leather tassels batman <laughs> yeah yeah pretty when fringy. i first saw her uh v, I, I thought v dallas soon I don't. Yeah, look, her hair looked good. Oh, her okay. hair did yeah. look good. Do you remember All right, and also soon. Yes, I do. If you don't look good, we don't look good. All right. So, uh, and then the last member of their little <laughs> gang is Varric, the weird dude in the mask, who it turns out looks even weirder with his mask off and not in the being burned up makeup. Uh, it's uh, actor Anthony James, uh, who I most know as the owner of the House of Prostitution and Unforgiven. He's a very skinny dude. Yeah, skinny he's a Dubois. very skinny, weird looking dude. Also another Star Trek uh, Next Generation yeah. Yeah, actor. I'm, I'm positive that he was on there, yeah. The A-Team, Hunter, Riptide, V, Knight Rider, yes. This was like, hey, let's take every character actor and throw them into, oh, yep. Buck Rogers, makes sense. Yep, and that is why, uh, again, episode, Hidden Ooh. Treasure of the show. Yes. I have never seen this show before. I've heard about it, but I've never seen it, never watched it until we had to watch for this. So I, I wrote down, like one of my the, the third note i wrote down was it's nice to see that gender stereotypes are still in play in 25th century because oh hell yes i, I just uh, I, there are things where like hey it's progressive haha it's future we're better now but then it's still and let's let's drag her by the arm because we're still leading her around and, and yeah colonel deering fawning over like the look she gives buck are so horrible like in the pilot if i remember she she's almost like she's a lot abrasive yeah yeah and she's this, a lot she's more aggressive and, stupid yeah they uh they softened her character a lot 
but it got her in the cute outfits. So, <laughs> like, like what do you yeah. want? Come on, you could you could either have a fully developed character or you could have that blue spandex thing. Well, speaking of fully want? developed, uh, she didn't fill the costume. Who are we talking about now? Both, both of them, all three oh, okay. of them. That's because they're in the seventies. I know. When you get when you got cast in the seventies, you didn't get cast because you had big boobs. You got cast because you were skinny. Fair. Oh, okay. I mean, it's the look and, of the seventies, and you had big uh, hair, and thank, you looked good with your big hair. That's what that's what got you cast. Thank you, pop culture PhD from the Ohio State. Just saying. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the MST3K line or, or, or the Rift Tracks line that relates to this. It's uh, uh, big hair, skinny butt, uh, mysteriously attracted to Columbo. You might be a 70s lady. Columbo's on 2B2. Uh, yeah, he's awesome too. Columbo yes. is the best. Um, uh, so our good friend, Fank, Frank Gorshin, I think he, he plays a phenomenal part. He's the strongest actor in this. He's taking well, it all seriously. Yeah, but they don't give him anything to work with. He's well, just professionally evil. It's just, I, I'm going to be evil now. So is it his plot to blow up a city? Because the name of the episode is yeah. Plot to Kill a City. So whose plot is it? It's his plot, but he uses his Legion of Death to participate. And they all do it because they're evil, I guess. Uh, evil is evil, yo. I suppose. <laughs> evil Ex- does as evil does. Except, except when it's hidden behind a mask, concealing its hideousness. But ugliness but does not mean that, evil. Yes, but then we find out that Varric, uh, that Buck and Varric can bond over the holocausts of their various world, and it's not that holocaust, uh, which is a little... I mean, there's more than one? Off-put. Well, there's the nuclear holocaust that destroyed uh, much of the Earth. And then there's that one that we think of when we mentioned the holocaust that apparently they weren't thinking about in the 70s when they wrote that line. Uh, oh, there's there's some espionage going on. There's the, the, the guy who is the mole. Is that what he would be? A mole on the inside of the Department of Defense or whatever's yeah. going on in Buck Rogers' yeah. side? Yeah, the, these are the unnecessary characters that got introduced. There's the mole, and then there is the patsy that they end up blackmailing into helping them out, who was the only African-American oh, the that black male. in the future. <laughs> yes, he was blackmailed as a black male into cooperating uh and of course it was a threat to his family that gets him in so uh star trek into darkness remember yeah that's how that's what happens at the very beginning of star trek into darkness i mean it's a pretty common uh yeah uh element of espionage but, it, but it's a black man and his family in a city that's going to be destroyed like there's uh, it's almost a little bit too too parallel close yeah, I maybe. was going to say I was impressed with the amount of um, fairness that they have, but then you pull out the blackmail things. So I'm like, okay, I guess not. Because well, at least he's there. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, like, he's not. He's not like a subservient Star character. Wars. Yeah, yeah. He's not a subservient character. He's like, he's kind of important. He's got. Yeah, he's, he's an engineer, a... so he's got some schooling behind him. He's got yeah, a he's family. Got a... And... Yeah, he's a he's a good family man. I mean, yeah. th- there you go. Well, sci-fi was always good at, at at pushing beyond stereotypes. 
like most sci-fi almost, like just think, a yeah. little bit general just just yeah. a bit sometimes in this case just a little bit and then we end up with space disco and uh and colonel deer oh fawningly at her subordinate uh disco will never die i don't i don't understand what the problem that, is that's what modern music really is it's disco hip-hop has evolved into disco. well you are true careful um, don't make any enemies oh i already have lots of enemies speaking of enemies uh when buck rogers at the very beginning walks into the bar it's the same stupid trope in a lot of sci-fi movies oh hey there's somebody with a blonde hair sitting at the bar yeah ends up being uh, an yeah, yeah. elephant face alien um what uh frog town i think was like that yeah yeah and, and sometimes the, that trope is it's a guy instead of a girl right there's, oh the and, and the infamous space hooker let's not uh forget about that from there's a space uh, hooker in this not in no, the, no, no, actually, there actually there might be. We're gonna get to that. I have to watch it again. <laughs> but no, no it was the other movie. About, um, oh, geez, what was that? We watched it. I know we did. We did. Uh, it was uh, Space Raiders. Yes. 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 So, telekinetic power works across space. It's mine, yo. Sure, when your ships are like. 20 feet apart uh, yeah, most of that model work and them. yeah yes. <laughs> yeah usually space battles aren't well, i mean if you want to go with a super accurate type of space battle it doesn't have to be super close they can be miles and miles away because right nothing's going to stop in space and but these aren't keep... these aren't those i mean no. I, much much like with star wars which is of course the thing oh. this is ripping off uh, all of the space battles are like twenty feet apart. I mean, these, uh, these, uh, this is like World War One biplane fighting distance. I, I think some of the space stuff has been remastered. It doesn't look it's horrible. Like, I mean, their their model work was all right. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't great, but it was all right. I mean, uh, I think it was good in the original, uh, like decent in the original series. Battlestar um, Galactica the same way. If that stuff was remastered, what's weird is that uh, some of the map paintings of the city aren't. Yeah, they looked bad. And they, they yeah, stand yeah. out pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that bodyguard... Training, a lot of map paintings. Yeah. With, with that, that bodyguard uh, that has a mask over his face, and he's the one that went his people went through the nuclear holocaust and all that stuff. Yeah. I thought they were going to do, uh, you know, like, put in a little message of nuclear uh, weapons are bad and this and that, but then right after they got done saying the story and how his his race has been mutilated and they they know nothing but death then he gets this power of phase shifting through solid objects and i'm like so yeah. you gave him a cool power too so <laughs> that doesn't really he, line up with he the used that he used that power earlier too but yeah but i mean when they actually went with his back yeah, yeah yeah but he like, is like, yeah he did get a cool power through the yeah so much like, much like the okay. x-men yeah, radiation's great. Once well, so you have the X gene. Speaking of great, oh, never mind. Back to Buck Rogers. Uh, oh. Alan, here's my bone, <laughs> and I'm gonna pick it. Yes. You pick away. Um, this is the time travel season. Yes. And nothing in this episode includes time travel. Uh, ah, oh, oh the... contraire. <laughs> 
enlighten us, Mr. Yeah, Doctor. Go on. Because like <laughs> we said, this is the man out of time storyline, which is a uh, which is a genre of time travel. And much of the ongoing, definitely a lot of the humor in the series, but some of what makes Buck like the interesting hero that he is, is that he represents this, this earlier time period. He is the, uh, to a certain extent that we see this same kind of thing uh, operating in like Demolition Man, where we actually have somebody from the present who be partially because of his presentness is a hero in this world. Not to the same extent as in Demolition Man, but uh, there is definitely that element of, well, Buck represents us and we're awesome. So we're gonna, we're gonna be great in the future. So uh, in this case, we get that uh, the, a lot of the plot is due to that displacement. So I say it's still a time travel. I, I also got it to where, uh, just from these two episodes, um, Buck was more ingenuitive. Like yes. he, he, he can use, he can think things through. He's more kind of smart that way. Whereas the people in the future weren't as intelligent for some reason. So... Uh, they're not as cunning. They are yeah. intelligent because uh, like uh, Dr. Uh, Hewer is uh, the, the guy who stands in for Q and sort of uh, M at the same time here. Um, or Charlie. Yeah, yeah. We uh, had yeah, all of them. Uh, so uh, he's smart. Uh, Dr. Theopolis, who's a computer, is obviously smart. But it's Buck who has the combination of, he has that American know-how it's like the reverse yeah. of Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, where the Yankee who is practical and mechanically minded gets sent back to uh, King Arthur's time and uh, kills a bunch of knights with Gatling guns, ultimately. Hooray, messing up the timeline. Yeah, well, it's not quite as that. I mean, the Buck is a more beneficent uh, transplant, but still. Well, and and two things, right? Um, one, it's very it's it's very much uh, uh, the individual uh, it, human from the past, the individual male, individual white male from the past, yeah, definitely um, is smarter than the system. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. it's demonstrated when the ship's autopilot uh, he demands and takes over manual. So I know better as an individual man yep, yep. Than, than the entire system. Um, yep. It's funny though, Deering, Colonel Deering does override the system by uh, pulling out uh, all of the wires. So uh, yes, that was I what think, I learned. I think I have the to learn something is, else. I think the uh, character, whatever character development she gets is that, uh, uh, that Buck's uh, influence is... Uh, causing her to think more in 20th century ways too. Alan, I have a question. Please ask it, my dear friend, Kling. <laughs> what do you have to do to be a doctor? One has to complete a doctorate. You have to uh, write a dissertation. Your dissertation has to be approved by a committee. That committee cannot have been disintegrated by nuclear holocaust. So there needs to be an academy of some variety that awards that degree to you. And chances are you also don't become the head of the one world government also. So uh, your, your uh, question answered, 
Well, okay. So if that's the case, then none of that you that you said has stopped a artificial being from being able to get a doctorate. That is correct. Dr. Theophilus does apparently have a doctorate. Okay. Um, unless Despite needing to be carried around by the mechanical version of Mel Blanc. Yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I, when it said when they said Doctor Theopolis, I thought it was just a guy who was a doctor, like a human, or a, a, a I'm sorry, not a human, a, a, a organic being who was a doctor, and then from that they put their consciousness into this uh, Roomba. As far as I know, that <laughs> yes. might be the case. I, I I don't remember how they treated his character in the pilot. Okay. So I don't remember how they explain his origins. I, I they treat him certainly as a computer. I mean, there's there's never uh, any concern for Doctor Theopolis missing his family or his corporeal <laughs> being, or being crossed that he's now being carried around by this tiny dust buster of a robot but, but also it's the 70s so they don't really care about that type of plot or uh, character development of oh no i miss no. my family it's uh okay well what's the next adventure and then just going on from there yeah we don't get buck actually missing like yeah. family either we do get buck missing things like wine which i suppose is a swing in seven these guy might be what he ends up missing but then radiation makes wine apparently that's another thing i learned but not the main thing apparently. so don't look at me like that oh man well better than, well well better than the toilet making the wine <laughs> when, when did that happen that would be in prison <laughs> this is the bag of fermented rotting fruit that one keeps in the toilet to keep it away from the guards kind of I mean uh, or thing. you just get some what the fuck Alan? What? <laughs> that's what it is or you just get some apple juice or some sort of juice and just leave it in your locker or wherever that and then just it let too. it let it or you too. go buy alcohol from the store well well or have your wife prison, sneak it in you don't in have that option well, okay, there's that too, I suppose. God. And you get an extra bonus. But anyway. So every time Buck says Wilma, it took me a while. I had to re rewind it too. I thought it was saying woman. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. First of all, I'm like, oh, why is no, he saying woman? And then I'm like, sexist. oh yeah, he's from the past. Yeah, but I, I thought, you know, 70s, sexist, you know, whatever. It's funny. Mm. They do have almost like a Fred and Wilma relationship. I mean, he's a big Where square jaw kind of, dumb guy, apparently. Yeah, and and she's a little bit more refined and sophisticated. And then he just and, brings uh, her down to his level. Yeah. And Gil Gerard is thirty six, by the way, when this is being recorded. He is a full ten years younger than me when doing this. And Erin uh, Gray herself is twenty nine. Okay. Well, I was so just saying, curious about their age difference. So she's uh, legal. But, uh, Yes, substantially. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the future's wild. Well, so I'm watching right now. And that's how you roll. Occasionally. So the bad guys are going into this little uh, place with some lights flashing that I've got to assume is the control center for a nuclear power facility. Is that what this is? 
It's matter yes. antimatter generator. Oh, okay. So yeah, same it, as it's some kind power, of, yeah, it's a, a reactor. Yeah. Well, so what, Clint, can you explain matter antimatter from all your years watching Star Trek? So in Star Trek, at least, you have matter antimatter chambers, and then you have uh, uh, that help power their starship. So the idea is if you take matter, any sort of matter, and you take any sort of antimatter, if you have them touch, then they create a ginormous explosion. And from that, you can actually make energy from this explosion. Okay. So you have, so what they have in Buck Rogers is they have that, but they have it surrounded by a vacuum. And then they have these bottles of antimatter like suspended through magnets in order to not have antimatter come into matter. Now, what are the bottles uh, made of? Don't ask me. <laughs> I, see. I don't know if they're made of antimatter too, because bottles and anyways, we're not gonna worry about that. Okay. But it's a, it's a power generator that is just like nuclear uh, uh, nuclear power. Um, if you were to change things, which from my understanding about nuclear power, which is nothing because I'm not a doctor at all, uh, you can't really make a nuclear bomb from a, a plant. It's a different thing. But that's the the idea is nuclear power is dangerous and scary and you can destroy people, uh, cities. So they're trying, the bad guys are trying to make the anti-matter and matter bump uglies. Yes. And Buck Rogers and Wilma are flying to do something. They're, yeah. And now the big tall guy with the grotesque face who's been ordered to kill doesn't kill. And now he's turning on the big bats. So first off, spoilers. So, yes. So I'm wondering... Why the fuck is Buck Rogers even in this? <laughs> like he's doing nothing. Well, this, uh, uh, well, oh, never mind. He just got. He's uh, doing he like some the big things. <laughs> yep, the utility belt There's... came in handy, and and the Riddler yeah, uh, there is the killed the uh, killed uh, whoever. I there love the, the wardrobe choices. The wardrobe is awesome. That's my favorite part of these. I like the music the occasional bursts of like future disco are just great i i love the opening sequence of the show i think the opening sequence i i i i, I still think it sounds really great yeah the, the opening Even, the music now is the awesome. ending music with the lyrics is the worst thing ever <laughs> well only second to maybe the opening song for our enterprise right yeah that's bad or yeah or uh i don't know Bill Murray uh, singing the secret lyrics to the Star Wars theme. Star Wars. <laughs> uh, so, so I mean, WTF moments. Uh, so there is one, and this is not a quote, but it kind of is. Um, she, uh, uh, the empath bad lady, what's her name? Sharice. Sharice. Yes, is coming at Buck because they found out that he is not who he says he is. Yes. And she's coming at him with a, 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 a syringe full of some chemical. And he asks, what is, what is it? And she explains that it's a chemical that will act upon your phallic regions of the brain. Is what I thought she said. I rewound it even because I'm like, what did she just say? And she says phallic regions of the brain. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Isn't that the but whole then, brain? <laughs> but then she, uh, somebody else says it and it's thalmic. So I don't know if she said the wrong thing or if she said the right thing, but I just didn't hear it right. But I have a chemical that will act upon the phallic regions of your brain. 
question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, because, oh my God, I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> Is in fact Buck Rogers a dickhead? Yes, we don't know. <laughs> I mean, it would explain a lot of my life choices, but Alan, what, what are WTF moments do you have? All right. So um, I'm still trying to figure out uh, Marky Post's character's role in all this. So Joella, she knows, knows, I'm going to put these in quotation marks for right now, knows Argus. And she's the only one who's met him. She knows uh, other him. Than in the, Bra- she... Other than the, other, the one other pirate guy. Yeah, she knows him in the yeah. biblical sense. <laughs> yes <laughs> and we never find out what joella does for a living i think we know what she does we, for a living she she is either a adventurous or she is an adventurous who also happens to dabble in space sex work uh, because she obviously is very familiar with Argus. She is very clearly fitting into the hooker with a heart of gold category. Yeah. But we're just missing the hooker part. We don't know what she does. I think it's more of a she tags along with people or she's with people and mainly men and sleeps with them in order to kind of get things, but not necessarily money. It's more of a yeah, kind of a, I'm going to have a relationship with this person and then ha ha ha. And then I, they give me stuff and I go places and do things. Well, and yeah. obviously and that'd be the adventurous role, I guess. But again, we also have a, a name for that. It's a camp follower. So oh. again, kind of a space hooker in and, this and, case. So again, we don't know what she does for a living. It's very interesting. And obviously by her reaction to it, the suspense is that she's going to come in and give away buck's secret identity but obviously she comes in and plays along so she's got she's presented as having street smarts or an understanding of yep yep kind of you know that not being naive naive. like being dexterous and not sinister but i guess but that made no sense whatsoever she didn't she never saw that man in, in before in her life she comes in acts like it's him even though she knows it's not she has no, 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 she knows nothing about him. There's nothing in it for her right away. Cause she's, she's established right after that when they get to talk to each other. But, together. but I, I think that goes into her and her street smarts being able to, okay, I'm just going to stay here and see what side's cool to be on. Okay. All right. right. Like I'm not going to come and rush into this situation. I have no awareness about and cause any trouble. Cause I don't know who the good guys or the bad guys are. I don't know. But then Which, Buck falling in love and dragging her around is so fucking stupid. And I'm so tired of the dumb. It's like Kirk, and his, every time he fell in love with every, I didn't see him as falling in love with her though, dude. He didn't. Then just let her go, man. No, he was being nice to her. Mm, guys aren't nice to gir- heterosexual men. Are not nice to females who look like that. Yeah. <laughs> Which, well, that, I'm that... just saying that Buck could. He could be attracted to her, obviously, and could be acting to help her. I don't think love oh. has anything to do with this. No, no. <laughs> he could have helped. Kirk actually help. does fall in love, though. Every episode, he does. He like, yeah, genuinely. I, I think, uh, and I think uh, a few uh, years makes a lot of difference on that. I think uh, part of Buck Rogers' charm in the '70s is that he is a uh, he is a uh, 
interstellar uh gigolo of sorts in that he uh at least uh, that uh every woman wants him and yet he is a mystery and really ultimately uh you know he's got a thing for uh, wilma deering so this panning shot here of the entire cast looking at the tall mutated human uh pressing buttons is gripping sorry i got distracted <laughs> So yeah, the, but it's another place where the sacrifice gets made by a totally different character and not our heroes. So. Of course. The the scene, going back to the scene where uh, Marky Post's character walks in and lies about knowing Buck Rogers, who he is. Um, empaths are supposed to, at least according to Star Trek Next Generation, which that's all I know about with the actual like psychic empaths, is they're supposed to know when you're lying. They're supposed to know your kind of your your mood and your tone. They're supposed to understand what's going on. That's why Deanna Troy uh, in Star Trek was one a, a fairly good uh, uh, psychiatrist or a counselor for the ship because she can kind of tell when somebody's you know kind of having some issues and going up to them and talking to them. Whereas this empath is not a good emp- like they talk about blowing up New Chicago, which is the 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 capital of earth uh for some um, reason uh and a continuation from old chicago <laughs> yes but they talk about that and that's the first time bucks heard about this you can see the look on his face where he's like oh my god but the empath lady is like ha 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 do 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 and they even color her as being untrusting well and why does she, so as an empath what does she do when does she ever use that or is that just a dumb part of the story that makes no she sense Use that once when trying to get the engineer into the vault uh, she detects uh wilma in uh an ambush at one point Wilma's oh that's watching yeah. them and she picks her out then it's so just, it's, it's totally meets. inconsistent it, yeah it's, it's yeah. when it's appropriate to the plot well and very much it like would obviously t- catch buck no mm-hmm. dice very very much like tessier's nervous impervious nervous yeah, yeah. system until yeah, yeah, we need yeah. to put him to sleep. And his awesome martial and, arts. And Again, there's no dice. And there's 3,000 ways to knock somebody out. But no, let's contradict the story we've told to this point. Ah! Yes. Yes. Oh, but at the end, they all get to sit and enjoy a, a glass of wine. Made from radiation. Yep. With Dr. Theopolis. Bucks. Bucks future toilet wine. Oh, and that's... And- <laughs> And uh, the guy, who's the, the main doctor, gray hair, a good guy? That's Dr. Hewer. Dr. Hewer, uh, call back to earlier in the episode, he's drinking his wine with his pinky out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, incidentally, he's played by Tim O'Connor, and he was in an MST3K episode, which is why he always sticks out in my head. Yeah, Marky Post was really uh, I can't really remember which one it was. Chief. Holy mackerel. Oh yeah, again, um, 70s. And, and yeah. she put on, a, and uh, she was a... Uh, Careful. I don't know. I think, I think she was a little bit uh, more rounded out, shall we say, <laughs> in a bunch of ways, like as a character and also physically uh, by the time uh, she made it on Night Court. That, and again, with the, with the uh, shoulder pads of the 80s, who can tell, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what I think. I don't know if I ever want to watch Book Rogers again. See, good, I think this is hilariously dumb, but uh, it's, uh, I mean, there's just so much about it. If you, it, uh, Clink, have you seen, actually, either of you, have you seen uh, the original Battlestar Galactica? 
clips. Because if you've seen uh, the original, or sorry, if you've seen the reboot, you you see it as a very gritty, uh, like modern, like for much of its run, sort of a masterpiece of modern TV. Yeah. And you look back at the original, and it's this, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, exactly. it's still kind of goofy. Yeah. Well, where does this come from, Alan? You said comics, right? Was it? Yeah, and uh, this is uh, this is sort of like classic space, uh, like sort of the sort of space opera feel. Uh, this is, uh, and again, it's the idea that you couldn't really take science fiction seriously. I mean, look at how many of the things that come out of Star Wars are kind of goofy, whereas Star Wars is actually takes itself fairly seriously. Um, there's there's banter, obviously, but for the most part, I mean, it takes its plot pretty seriously. There's no like, there's no there's no space disco. Mm. Well, the canteen, yeah, the canteen is not a disco. It's it's definitely not. It's its own yeah, thing. Yeah. And yet, every movie that rips off Star Wars has a has a space disco yeah. in it. Ultimately, yeah. Yeah. well, I would also see that. Hell, as... the, the Star Wars Holiday Special ends up oh. having the equivalent of a space disco, and it's the same cantina. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I would see that as because like Star Trek was serious but not serious like there is some crazy stuff that happens there but they're right, they're actually right. tackling like serious issues so i see that as not necessarily uh the writers or creators of sci-fi not taking it seriously but the studios and then sometimes even the actors like look at comic book movies too where yeah. a lot of the actors and the studios wouldn't necessarily take those seriously and then when you know people start taking those roles seriously you get better stories and this and that yeah yeah and like all the seriousness was taken out of this series ultimately i mean yeah they're still attempting to build drama but i mean when you think about like the uh like the uh the post-apocalyptic kind of feel of the of the pilot again that's taken away i mean people don't want to see that on tv ultimately mm -hmm. at least the assumption is they don't want to see it in 1979 I mean, yeah. we don't really get like a gritty science fiction story until V, which is later on in the decade. Um, yeah. And that's really the first thing where we see like people dying as part of science fiction. And again, this idea that uh, maybe there's some the maybe there's some actual like stakes involved here, whereas with Buck. God, we know everything's going to be fine. Um, yeah, they're they're not going to kill off any of these people. They're not yeah. even going to kill Tweaky. <laughs> uh, Alan, did you see the Easter egg, or did you, did you catch the Easter egg in the quote-unquote not airport, but airport scenes? No. There's an Easter egg where they are um, paging at Adam Strange. Huh. Oh! <laughs> in there. Really? Which is cool. Nice. Yeah. Is that Doctor Strange's first perfect. name? No, 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 no. Oh. Adam, uh, Strange, Adam is... Strange was another character. Well, so according Easy. to Wikipedia, Buck Rogers was created the character in uh, 1928, and yeah. predates Flash Gordon. Whoever yep, the, just by a little bit. Rick Bradford is uh, Don Dixon, John Carter. Like so, it's almost like Buck Rogers was the predecessor to all of these. Wait, kind of. 
John Car. I thought that was. Oh, uh, Pete, no, mind. John Carter has appeared in various media since 1912. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, 1912. I'd like but to he didn't go to the future. He just went to a different uh, uh, planet. Yeah, and you get Zorro and stuff like that. Also, as far as like your adventuring heroes at that point too. This so, is kind of an extension of that. Well, what's cool is like so this Buck Rogers episode, and now I'm gonna say, Alan, you, you did a great job here because this connects into so many <laughs> I of our did things. A great right? job like ice pirates right same yep. similar wardrobe so that's kind of like the scoundrels uh in these science fiction things tend to be pirates uh galaxy lords <sighs> same not sort of wardrobe as, not as much as not as much as we would hope actually i'm helping that's one of the uh, many disappointments oh, of, uh, oh my biggest uh, wtf uh, my biggest wtf i just remembered because i forgot my notes um so when buck is found out and the bad guys start chasing him through hallways and he and joel joella whatever uh, marky post are running away they end up in a hallway with a robot hallway sweeper yeah and that hallway sweeper then buck turns around and pushes towards them and this hallway sweeper is is about the size of a i mean i'd say three foot by three foot by four foot and the hallway is yeah. like eight foot wide eight foot tall oh, the yeah. hallway. Yes. and yes. that uh street sweeper hallway sweeper uh thwarts you know people with lasers and people yep. with the telekinetic power to move objects in space and yep. a the ability of somebody to phase shift through material objects and a, and yeah. a super genius yes. like the the, yes. uh, the main yes. guy's a super Version. genius yeah. uh, uh, and, and and it works so well that time uh they do it again when buck is caught for the second time yeah. and marky post pushes another <clears throat> hallway cleaner robot sweeping device uh to knock over the telekinetic guy in one of the most funniest falls i've ever seen on on television and cinema uh, he just rolls over that thing like a big bowling ball. It's hilarious. <laughs> but that was pretty effing dumb. That was pretty dumb. Yeah. They could have walked around it. It wasn't like <laughs> this nefarious tracking object. They could have walked around it. But instead, well, they go running the other way. <laughs> that's a common trope, though, with uh, with any sort of chase scene. Like, producers or cop shows or any sort of thing where you yeah. have a chase scene. If you're running, you the, either the person that's being chased or the bad guy usually what it is. They'll knock stuff over behind them. Yes. To trip up. But yeah, this was very comically bad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, want some quotes? Yes. Oh. So let's see. We've got. Uh, I mean, why do all the good. The waiting is the, the hardest part. Ones, why do all the good looking ones have to be crazy? Put that grotesque body of yours to some use and yes. turn it off. <laughs> yes. Like, why are you yelling at me, TV show? Uh, and then uh, finally, and this will be the tagline at the episode BD BD, what a fox. <laughs> this is when Tweaky is sexually harassing Joella at the end of the episode. But then we find out that Joella seems to be into it. And she seems to understand uh, Tweaky's BD language. So Yeah, 
so it seemed like it was like so a, apparently it, she might be a lot more open-minded than i thought so yay oh my but it seemed like at first the the bdb that thing that might have just been like either a, a verbal tick or a software glitch or something but it turns out to be like r2d2 it turns out yeah. to be like his own little language a weird binary yeah but apparently he uses that when he wants to cuss or say inappropriate things that sensors yes. wouldn't like yeah <laughs> much like r2 <laughs> yep there you go Ooh, here we go this might be the tagline alan i wrote oh, something down that i thought but i can't find it now um uh this is colonel wilma deering to buck uh those customers will be coming back any second hurry up and take your clothes off <laughs> yes. This is the beginning of the first episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's beautiful. Uh, and and so, Deering's worst line of this, and I'm glad it was on IMDb, so I remembered it. Buck, don't you dare get yourself killed. Don't you dare. <laughs> to herself. Nah. Yeah. Like, yeah. She's pining for him, and it just fucking makes me so angry. It's like, what? So you just rewatched the second episode and you saw the end. Yeah. Where bodyguard guy, what's his name? Varric, Varric, the tall guy with a mask. Yeah. So yes. he's doing things and stuff to the to the antimatter so that it doesn't explode. But instead of touching the buttons and pushing the buttons because we have a close up on his hands, he's turning buttons. That really bothered me because I'm like, okay, these are square <laughs> buttons. You're turning them. They're clearly you can push it. Like it's 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 like I I'm just like just. You put your finger out and you and you you press. I don't I don't it's understand. A mis- it's I don't a mismatch between props and stage business. It's, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. And the telekinetic guy could do it from on the other side of the fucking glass. Yes. But the telekinetic guy wants to blow things up. Yeah, he's so, the bad guy. Anyway. Yeah. Speaking of wanting anyway. to blow things up. So so you two, what did you learn? Alan, you want to go first? Or you want me to go? Who's right. I learned. Okay. Mine's awesome. I learned that if I have a super sweet like space ride and uh, I'm flying around the galaxy and I need to fuel up in any particular place, when I hook that fuel hose up to my vehicle, it's just going to have a bunch of like blinky lights in it. <laughs> and apparently that's gonna magically fuel up my magical space ride uh that's the future i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much attach a string of christmas lights to your vehicle yes and it fuels magically right the hell up <laughs> right, so i went like, i went kind of serious with mine oh, of course you did my my Slide. lesson that i learned is be nice to everyone they may be more pain than you think oh Especially, and, ugly, especially ugly people. Yeah. And they may help you save the planet one day. So be nice out there, children. Or at least Chicago. I mean, it's Chicago, so it's whatever. It's new Chicago. Would anybody notice if Chicago was destroyed? Yeah, the people in <laughs> Chicago. Well, I mean, it would uh, probably... No, maybe happen. they wouldn't. I guess that's that's Detroit. I'm thinking of Detroit. Detroit would look... <laughs> the motherfucking goat, bitches. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but okay. Barry Sanders, the GOAT. Oh, man. I know who Barry Sanders is. There you go. I'm a, um, I, I do sports. I so do who's, sports. who's going next time? 
Yes. Which 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 hole does the sports ball go into, Clink? All of them. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think it's, so it's I your turn. This one, not it. Yeah, it's Vanderpool my turn. Team. So yeah. I am happy. I remembered what I wanted to pick. Good. Uh-oh. So so so, uh, what's big and green samurai sword? Samurai Hulk. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. Yes. Turtles in time. Yes, that's the worst one. But yes, the tur- well, the turtles are back in time is the uh, tagline. And back in time is also Huey Lewis. Uh, Got to get back in time. So I'm figuring, Clint, this might be a segue into us wrapping up this miserable season. Uh, it's not with, miserable. With... We're doing time travel. It's pretty fucking dumb. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's that's actually because we're picking the dumb ones. I, I'm actually primer. pretty. I'm pretty impressed. I was like, we don't even have any 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 in the can, and we got like five or six in the can. So I'm excited to get editing eventually uh, yeah. uh, later this fall. So uh, TMNT3, uh, ancient Japan, they go back to 1593 without a map, without a clue, and without a pizza. Just like us. Because you watched. Whoosh! Star Crash. Yeah, that's weird, Clink. This time you moved across the microphone. Last time you moved both. I'm <laughs> to see how different that sounds. I am too. All right. Say bye, folks. Bye, folks. Bye, folks.